You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today we have a very special guest. I want to say his name, but I know I'm going to say it wrong. I'll let you say your name so I don't say it wrong. Yeah, it's Rishab. Rishab. See, I was going to say Rashid. So Rishab. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to more startup. I'm excited to talk to people who are in the startup world. I just think that the business world is so interesting right now because of where the world is. And I think we've had the internet long enough to where it's making a more massive impact on our world and our society every day. So I just, I love having conversations with people that have their own companies that are just figuring it out, man. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So let's start from where you are now. We can work backwards. What's the biggest thing you have going on right now? Like, what are you excited about? Yeah, so we're an early stage company. And one of the decisions that we made early on is that we're going to work with a meaningful but small set of customers early and then actually go out and launch. And so the single biggest thing that I have on my mind right now is what is that launch really going to look like? Currently, the plan is to launch in early September. And so we're, I don't know when this is going to get released, but we're recording at the end of July. And so for the next month, the thing that I'm thinking about is, hey, how do we actually get ready for launch? And what are the set of things that we want to show up to as the world, to the world? That's mm. what is number one on my mind. I love that you have the customers first, like just working with a small group of people. I can say that's one of my favorite things. I've done that over the years now in the world of podcasting specifically. I've worked with maybe like 10 companies now on like their early stage product, script, headliner, a lot of the biggest, most popular podcast tools. I was one of the first people to use them because I just love using new new products and honestly trying to break it. That's like my favorite thing. <laughs> I want to mess it up to see if yep. I can help the founder and make it better. I think that really helps you as a founder, though, is like when you have those people that are like passionate, that are super supportive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, we have a really good example of that that we're just coming off of a case study with one of our early customers. I won't say the name now just because of you want to respect their confidentiality, but there was an early customer who really got the vision of what we're trying to build. And so they started to use the product and they're actually also sending us to their counterparts at other companies and at their partners' companies. And then when we actually went live with them in this particular case study yesterday, we just, the outcome that we saw was really great. And so it's one of those few things where you partner with somebody early on, they understand the vision, they just use the product in a way in which you didn't really expect. And then you see some really good outcomes and you learn with them, they're benefiting, you're benefiting. It's, yeah, that's where you can see the magic happen and it gets you excited. So you got me on a good day because... <laughs> I'm like literally just coming off of seeing that over the past 24 hours. 
Oh, I like that. So let's go a little deeper on that one. I see a lot of founders and indie hackers and on Twitter and stuff, and they struggle to connect with those first customers to, to build that initial relationship. What's one thing you did to build an, that initial relationship with your customers? Yeah. So at least for us, the way that we decided to build the company was really be market driven and talk to customers as the product was developing. And so right at the beginning of the company, there was no product. All I did was talk to customers. And as that progressed, what we made sure we did is we kept people updated, even if it was on like a low cadence early on, so maybe every four weeks or so, just tell people what is actually happening and show them the progress relative to what they are asking for. Hey, here's something we talked about four weeks ago. This is actually already built now. Here's something we talked about eight weeks ago. This is actually already built now. And so not only do they feel like they are a partner to you in seeing this company being built and their input is actually being listened to, but you're building for somebody that is actually going to use the thing. And that's like the hardest part of, I think, being a founder is just making sure you're building something that somebody actually will use and get value out of. Right? Oh, man. I think that that's the... I think that's what allowed us to build a good relationship with, yeah, a smaller number of customers early on is just actually constantly showing progress. Yeah. I think you have to be patient with that too. For me, I'm just now getting into the startup world and building my own products and stuff. And I'm using the whole no code strategy and all that because I'm not a code or anything, but I know that I can serve my audience of podcasters because I've been talking to podcasters for eight years. I had a two-year span where I didn't charge anything. People could just talk to me. They could just set up a time and we would talk about podcasting. So I do agree that you got to spend time just talking to customers. Now, would you say it's better to not build anything until you talk to a certain amount of customers or should they spend like three months talking to customers? Like what kind of process, if somebody wanted a, a system to go kind of through, what would you suggest? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. So at least the system that I like to use is basically three phases of product. So the first one is what I call just problem discovery. So as you're talking to people, the only thing you do is you ask them to share what it is that they're currently working on, what are the biggest areas that they're thinking about, and just say, hey, I am planning on building a product in this space, but don't actually offer any shape of solution. So for us, for example, mm -hmm. how that worked out was I would tell people, hey, we're planning on building something in the direct commerce space. And it's in response to what we understand as a big problem with performance marketing becoming harder and harder over time. So then what I would do is I would just talk to the head of marketing or sometimes depending on the size of the company, the founder, CEO, and just say, hey, help me understand how your marketing department is broken down today. How much is brand marketing? How much is performance marketing? Within performance, what is your biggest areas of spend? What is the performance that you're seeing? How does it trend over time? How are you trying to address those problems? And all I did, truly all I did was really understand how they view the problem. And then wow. I would just say, hey, can we set up a follow-up call? We ran out of time. I'm really sorry. Here's a quick two sentence, what I'm thinking of building. And then I would set up a follow-up where... Three weeks later, I would then talk about the shape of the product and then say, hey, remember three weeks ago you shared with me that this is the shape of the problem? I talked to 10 of your peers. Here's how they're experiencing the problem. So 
the first thing that happens is I give them value back, right? So I heard the problem. Hey, here are 10 of your peers that I talked to. Here's how they're experiencing the problem. Here's how they're handling the problem. Then what I do is I then say, hey, here's what the shape of the solution is that we're thinking of. So for again, for our case, that happens to be we're going to put your commerce experience directly where the consumer already is, right? So you don't need to do redirects, increase your conversion rate, 100% attribution, like very simple sort of product shape given the problem is very clear. Wow. And uh, then before you keep going, yeah, I sorry. love how you just gave <laughs> you just broke down a full script. I don't know if you realize it, but you even gave out a script, not only a process, but a script on what you can say on these calls after you had these conversations, a follow-up strategy, and how you can, if you wanted to pre-sell the MVP, you can. On that follow-up call, that's the perfect time to be like, hey, this is where you can buy. It's like the perfect little setup. I love how you set that up. You can continue. But that, So that's exactly right. Then I say, here's the shape of the solution. What would it take to implement? So then immediately the question is, because you're talking, in my case, I'm talking to a marketer and their first question is, wait a second, I'm going to have to go back to my product team or my engineering team. How the heck am I going to implement this? Is this going to be a pain? Is it going to take three weeks? What are my other priorities? Like immediately get them into implementation mode because then you'll get all of the implementation pushback. I have not built anything at this point. Nothing has been built. And so you get, you now you understand everything you need to understand to build your product. You know what the problem is, what the solution shape needs to look like, and what they think about when it comes to implementation. And so that's, yeah, that's how, that's the long-winded answer to, did you build the product first? The answer is no, but it helps you understand what does that product need to look like and what does the experience need to feel like when somebody actually uses it? Yeah, I love that whole system breakdown, man. That's And that's incredible because I've seen people in Facebook groups or even on Twitter where they're like frustrated that they built this thing and nobody uses it. And I think if you take the time, and I like to suggest people do things in, in, in intervals. Like you spend a month scheduling calls and having those initial conversations. Like you spend a month. You obviously can still do the full-time job, whatever you have, be with the kids and all that stuff. But you put a month in on scheduling the first calls. So then the next month, you can do your follow-up calls. And in a month after that, you do pre-sales. I like to do things in like with a time frame because I just think with a time frame, it forces us to be more focused and consistent and make things a priority. So I love that you have that process set up. And that sounds like it could work for pretty much any startup that's launching. Yeah, I think so. I've used this various types of companies and ideas. And yeah, I just don't. I think that it's a way of choosing to do it as long as you're a market-driven founder. I, I, I do think that there are founders who are what I would call like engineering or product-driven founders where they don't need to do that, where they don't actually know the story. But imagine you're like the founder of Coinbase. It's not totally obvious that there's going to be a large number of people buying Bitcoin in 2013. It's like a pretty small number of people. Yeah. But you have just tons of conviction that the number of people who are going to buy Bitcoin is going to increase. I think that's like a very different style of building a company that you can still obviously build a very large company with. Yeah, man, that's that is incredible, man. I love the way you set this up. And I want to ask you something else, too. So what's the long term goal for you? I'm always interested to hear what founders want, because. I can say when I talk to podcasters, they always tell me, yeah, I just want to have fun. 
I love to hear the different answers founders have. Some want to sell their company in a year. Some are like, I want to keep this for 20 years. What's the long-term goal for you? What's that vision of success look like? Yeah, I think that this is, I, I think I'm going to fall into the sort of stereotype of uh, really believe that I can do something that's going to change the world. But this is, you have to have that irrationality. But yeah, for me, you do. <laughs> yeah, you kind of do, right? But I, it's not without acknowledging that this is what's happening. So the, for me, I think that it's important to build things to evolve the world in the way in which you hope the world will evolve. So for me, the company I am building is one in which allows for merchants to sell directly to consumers without having as heavy of a dependence on large central aggregators like Amazon and Facebook. Because basically, we're building a commerce system that lets you take your storefront and embed it anywhere on the internet. So it's like taking centralized commerce and making it distributed commerce. And... I think that's a massive force of good, and it is how I want the internet to evolve. So basically, my nightmare scenario is that five years from now, the only places where people shop are Amazon, Instagram, and TikTok. Like, to me, wow. that's a really bad outcome for society. And so I'm sitting here thinking, how do we make sure that independent media producers, whether it's influencers, creators media houses, brands with their own sort of media fronts, how do we make sure that other places where people spend time can participate in commerce driven by the internet? Because that is, it is so clearly such a force for economic good. And yeah, and if somebody has to do it, so why uh, not know, me? Yeah. It's funny that you say this. I agree with you hundred percent. I saw a clip yesterday explaining how TikTok is like the search engine for Gen Z and it's that sounds good, but when you think about it, when TikTok adds like the store feature, like you said, like Instagram did, then what does that do for every other small business out there? Like you're forced to be on TikTok and you're forced to run ads on TikTok now. Like you kind of get boxed in. I think that platforms like yours are really helpful because it can help people avoid that. Like I'm selling my book now, A Business of Podcasting, releasing on August 8th and I thought like, I don't even want to put my book on Amazon. Like why? Honestly, I have an audience. I have people I'm connected to already. If they want to buy it, they could just buy it from me. Why am I giving any Amazon any of my money or any of my data? I'd rather get my customers' names and emails myself so I can continue to work with them and market to them if I want to. I own that. I just think we can get into a space that's really dangerous where four companies own all the data and all the information. And that's really dangerous, man. That's that is exactly correct. Yep. That's, you're going to fire me up. You're going to fire. This is like what I go to sleep thinking about. It's what I wake up thinking about, but that's exactly right. If you don't, if somebody does not create the system that allows independent merchants and independent media to own the consumer relationship, it is going to get aggregated. It's really that simple. Yeah. So I have, okay, I got some more questions on this. I want to go a little deeper on this one. So I want to give you some examples of some people and I want you to explain to me how they could use your platform and benefit. Yeah, so sure. So let's say it is for just easy, right? Uh, an author that has a library of books, they have five books that they have available. 
could an author use your tool? If so, how would they use it to be successful and more successful than some fake? Most of the Amazon bestsellers are fake. Like, how could they use it to be better than Amazon bestsellers? Okay, so there's two ways that I would recommend for like the author type of situation. So one is that people go to this person anyway for content and media on average. So let's just say you're writing books about some sort of topic. Generally speaking, if it's especially if it's in the nonfiction category, then what on average happens is you have followings across a number of platforms. And so job one is pull people off of those platforms and own the relationship. So you would use our platform to basically embed a shopping experience within the content that you're putting on platforms. Let's just say it's on Instagram or anything actually, like Twitter, whatever it may be. You embed a shopping experience such that, hey, do you want to learn more from this person? Buy the book about this topic. And then the person can just buy it right there. And then the transaction is owned by you as the author coming off of that experience, not by the platform because it's being powered by us. Okay, Another so I want to ask you a question right there. So when you say embedded, so I post a video on Twitter and I reply to that video after it gets 5,000 views and I embed the product there. Am I selling with a link like they go to the website or can they just buy right there immediately like in one click? So the way that it works is it pulls up the browser, but it directs them directly into a shopping experience that is continuous with the content. So it's basically like you click on the link and then the very next thing that happens is it is the cart is filled and it is in context of the media that you were like as a consumer you were watching. So from a technical standpoint, it looks similar to going to the website. But from a consumer standpoint, it does not feel that way at all. It feels like you are buying within Twitter. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that's incredible. Because I think it slows down your, it can, when you have too many steps in a sales process, you lose prospects, obviously. So if they have to go to the website and then add the product to the cart and then go to the sales page and then check out, they've now gone across like five or six pages. And Truthfully, if I'm selling like an author, if I'm selling a $10 book, I want them to be able to buy like that because a $10 sale is like an instant decision. I want this, the cover looks good. I want help. I want answers on this question. I want to buy that. I love that. I love that. That's actually really simple. I could be really convenient for an author. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we're seeing <laughs> some of the results we're seeing are like really mind blowing. That's what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about that experience with building with early customers. Even I'm surprised by some of the lift that we're seeing. Okay. So let me get some examples on that. You don't have to get anybody's name or product or anything, just in terms of some numbers. What does that, yeah. what is that looking like? Yeah. yeah. So one good example of sort of numbers that we are surprised by is the average cart fill rate when you go to a brand or any other website tends to be 4%, meaning 4% of visitors on your site, if they are coming from like an ad or whatever it may be will actually start a cart fill. So hmm. you actually create that intent to shop. When you use our product, over the last three weeks, we've seen a 17% cart fill rate. So this wow. is like a 4X change, not like a 10% lift, right? I mean, just to be clear, in commerce, if you can get a 10% change, that's like really helpful. But because of how we've created the flow, we're seeing... Yeah, some of the numbers we're seeing are just kind of, even to us, they are mind boggling. So, 
Wow, that's incredible. For the people listening, don't think that 17% means nothing when industry standard is four. Let's compare that to the regular. Like 17 <laughs> means it's four times better than the average, average app that people are using. All right, so I want to give you another example here. Let's go with another one. Let's say I'm an online coach and I have five courses. I want to be able to sell on autopilot whenever. I don't use Twitter. I hate Twitter, but I love YouTube. How could somebody that's a coach that uses YouTube consistently use your platform? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like very similar, actually, as long as there's actually something that somebody buys versus sign up. So the way that I would do this is if somebody the way you sell the course is like basically the person actually purchases the ability to attend that course, then what you would do is you would have your YouTube videos that usually are basically teaser videos. So you're at giving yeah. value to people for free. And basically you then in the comments, you would say, like, Hey, if you want to dive deeper into this topic, attend my 10 week course. And here's where you can buy the course. And then as soon as the person clicks it, it just, drawers up and basically shows them the ability to purchase that what you would probably want like basically the way that it would look is on top it would show them the video that they just saw again and then they would just fill in their credit card info and then they're done so again it feels like, hey i just got this value for free you're continuing to remind them hey you got value for free imagine the value that you could get if you paid for this course right zero dollars gets you this much value whatever is the dollars gets you hundred X of the value. Wow. Okay. So I see, I'm thinking for a YouTuber that's selling courses, it'll be great to have like video where it's like, here's step one to get to this result. And then at the end, it's like, check out the first comment and then you can get access to the full program. They go and click the link and it leads them right into the rest of the result. Okay. That makes sense, man. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that the thing that is often forgotten in just like the standard ad model is the standard ad model does not respect where the user came from. So like, and what I mean by that is let's just say you have a, let's just say you're selling microphones, right? On average, what happens is you see an ad when you click on the ad, you're getting taken to the shop that sells the microphone, but that store, looks like that no matter where you came from. Did you come from a YouTube video? Doesn't matter. Did you come from a TikTok video? Doesn't matter. Did you come from Google SEO? Doesn't matter. Did it come from Instagram ad? Doesn't matter, right? It redirects you to the website. And this is like fundamentally the thing that when you say it out loud, it's like, yeah, that is strange. Why does it not matter where I came from? Like the context of somebody saying, hey, I'm looking for a mic on Google and then clicking on the ad and then going to the website, wouldn't you think that I should probably show this person something different than if they came from a YouTube video of a podcaster who has told them by this mic? So, I mean, it's just yeah. obvious. Yeah. You know what? You bring up another question for me. So let's say I do a thread on Twitter where I'm explaining about my book or whatever, and people have more interest in it. When they click the link, can I show them now a video, like three reasons why you need this book, for example? And then they can go ahead and buy. And that's like right at the top of where they check out. Yeah, that's the whole idea. The whole idea wow. is that you can control the content experience of the checkout and you allow the basically the merchant side and the content side to create a seamless experience from 
customer attention to transaction. So you essentially don't even need a sales page. You can just promote it wherever they go there and watch a three minute video to confirm and answer all the questions they have about the product. You have a quick FAQ even, and then they go and buy. That's incredible. That's going to save a lot of time, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transactions that we power, you don't ever go to a sales page. It just feels like you're shopping with the content creator. And I think that's what the creator economy needs because when I see all of these stores for like YouTubers or podcasters and stuff, I don't think that it needs to be that complicated because if you're listening to my podcast, you hear me mention my book, the business of podcasting and you want to buy that book, like you can just go and buy it. Like you click the link, you want to go and buy, you don't want to go through a whole long funnel. I think that funnels are like a little worn out in some contexts, they're still useful, but Sometimes you don't need all of that. People just want to buy sometimes really fast. <laughs> That's why Amazon wins with the one click. That's why it works. I think that funnels were made for like life before content. Yeah. So it's, it's, but nowadays people know what they want. You don't have to sit there and educate people because guess what? Most of the time people are coming from content. And so when you're coming from what was like, what was in that content? Pro probably something about why the thing that they are seeking to now buy is in here's like a great example right so let's just say i'm looking at somebody with my skin tone so people who are listening to this i'm like a darker colored person and so if i'm looking at somebody with and with my skin tone and i'm like man that person looks good in that purple sweater i want to buy that purple sweater it's not the case that i want to go to that now that like apparel website and actually be shown everything as if I am a net new customer. Yeah, I actually came from, I came from a very specific context, right? It's actually, it's very simple. It's very simple. I am just trying to emulate the fact that this person looks good. Like this person who looks like me looks good in this sweater. I want to buy that sweater. And so you don't need to educate me in a funnel. I was already pre-educated. And in fact, I was educated in the way that I wanted to be educated. So yeah, yeah so I, I think it's, I think that we will quickly end up reframing how we think about these things. Yeah, man, I love the speed of it. Love what you're doing here, man. This is, it's different. It's different. I do think it's valuable and I do believe it can change the world. It can really impact people. Let the people know that are listening. I don't like to say, where can they find you and all of that? Where can they support your product? Cause I know that's what a lot of my listeners want to do. Yeah. The thing that we would love is if you're either a merchant of any kind or a content creator of any kind, find us at firmatcommerce.com and just either if you have any input or if you have ideas of, hey, here's how we think distributed commerce can help the ecosystem, just drop us a line anytime. We, like we were talking about earlier in this episode, we are a market-driven company. We listen to what people tell us in order to make sure we're building something that's valuable. And so that would be the most helpful thing. I love it. I love it, man. man th thank you so much for being on the show. This was a really good conversation. I learned a lot. Shout out your Twitter so people can go and follow you there as well. Yeah, yeah. My Twitter is Rishab M. Jain. So that's R-I-S-H-A-B-H-M-J-A-I-N. And yeah, my Twitter, is, I try to be funny, but I'm a dad, so I'm like not that funny. <laughs> Yeah, when you become a dad, you instantly lose all the funny and cool you had. It's just, it's gone. It's gone. It's no more. <laughs> yep. Awesome, man. Hey, it was great being on the show. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.